0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Rogers
1: in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Pressure. Pass is picked off. And who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the PAX What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, as always, Maggie Loney, joined by the wonderful Perry Goldstein. And this episode is a little different for us for two reasons. Uh, One, because the Packers and Vikings have already played once this season, so our preview show is going to look a little different. And two, because we are recording in the mid-afternoon, which means that we are both not drinking alcohol because this is our work lunch break, and that's just not a not a good idea. So when you listen to this, just picture it probably for one of the first times that we are not casually drinking a beer while we talk football. So Perry, Packers-Vikings. Vikings don't look good, but but there's nope. still a lot to talk about. A lot looks different. So I guess some of your preliminary thoughts before we take a deep dive into the offense and the defense, what looks so different to you about this matchup now?
1: Well, I think they've gotten worse in some pretty key areas um, that the Packers are going to take full advantage of. Um, I think their secondary has only gotten worse since we last played, right? Mike Hughes has a neck injury. is probably going to go on IR. I think uh, Cameron Dantzler got put on the COVID list, I thought I saw. Um, they also have just some of their depth. Guy- like, there, there's just so many people hurt, um, which so do the Packers, but you know, less key. Um, Kirk cousins is significantly worse. He leads the league in interceptions. Um, we don't know if we're going to get Dalvin cook. They don't have a pass rush. I I think like we've seen over the first kind of eight weeks of the season, the Vikings have just kind of waved the white white flag, um, on the season. They're one in five. Their playoff hopes are pretty much non-existent at this point, unless they make a like first serious run, which we don't foresee. So, um, we beat them 43, what was it? 43-34, I think it was, week one. Yeah. Um, and it feels like this is a game that we will also likely win by kind of a large margin. Um. I don't see, even if Dalvin Cook is a go, I, I just, we're, we're not an evenly matched.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the Packers, you know, roasted the Viking secondary week one with Devontae Adams. He had his two touchdown game. Um, like 150 yards about, and, you know, he tied for the league or the Packers record in receptions. He almost did that against the Texans again. He did set a career record in receiving yardage. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's, you know, the secondary could potentially be worse for the Vikings than it was in week one, just given their injuries now at this point and having players on the COVID reserve list. So, yeah, I mean, I think that this is a big opportunity for Devontae and for, You know, some of the other guys to step up. The Packers won't have Alan Lazard this week. MVS had a nice game against the Vikings. It would be nice to see him return to some form that way. We saw Malik Taylor get his first career touchdown last week. It would be nice to see him get involved. Um, For the Packers, you know, they might not have Aaron Jones. It sounds like he wants to play, but they're being cautious with – you know, the quick turnaround. I think the Packers need him more for the 49ers and the Vikings at this point anyway. So if you give him a chance, if you give him a chance to heal, I think that that's a good idea. But then on the flip side of that, the Packers are getting uh, Kenny Clark back and he left really early in the Vikings game week one. So, you know, Delvin Cook had a nice game against the Packers, but I think with Kenny Clark back in action, we'll see kind of a different front seven than we saw towards the back half of that week one Vikings game.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, they it, it's interesting cuz the secondary is like half, you know, third string cornerbacks and the other half is um I like I'm calling them now the Harris brothers. I know that's yeah. not like that's <laughs> like a play on the Smith brothers, but like Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith are I think probably one of the best safety duos in the league. So it's it's just a really interesting kind of strange Thing That's happening back there where likely they're leaning a little bit more on their safety help than they would like to. Um, but there's only so much that both of those guys can do. Um, especially they're not, you know, they're not going to line up, you know, Anthony Harris at the line of scrimmage against Devante, Devante Adams. Um, so, you know, it's going to be, I think a big day for our receivers. I think you're right with, with Aaron Jones being out again, uh, that's fine. You know, rest him up for the 49ers game. Jamal had a really, really nice day against the Texans. I don't think the Vikings front seven is really that scary. Uh, I think Jamal can have another nice day. Um, it looks like Tyler Irvin's practicing too. So if we can get some Tyler Irvin back in there, um, that would be helpful. Um, more touches for for AJ Dillon, the better. Uh so, so I'm not like super concerned against about running against this team, although they do have Eric Kendricks still who um likely, you know, will come in and, and play the way Eric Kendricks always does. So it, it should be a nice, nice day for the Packers offense. Um, I have like pretty much no concerns.
0: And i'm I'm glad you brought up Tyler Irvin because when Dusty Evely was on the show, he had talked about the Packers setting up a lot of concepts that they plan to use later on in the season. And week one, some of those concepts, you know, we saw a ton of motion, and we saw a couple wheel routes that we thought likely would have hit if Eric Kendricks wasn't in the middle of the field as that inside linebacker because of all of his speed. So I'm curious to see if what they've established in the first couple weeks of the season. Will come into play against the Vikings? Will we see different looks uh, from the Vikings and how they defend coverages? Or, you know, kind of, you know, will some of those things be successful that didn't necessarily work week one because the Vikings uh, sniffed it out? So that's where I'm curious. And then I also think that, you know, something really significant that we've yet to touch on, but it's early, is the Justin Jefferson situation that they now have where he is clearly wide receiver one. And he's leading the team in in receptions and uh, yardage. He looks fantastic. He was kind of a non-factor week one because he was still um, emerging as a prospect. So... <laughs> yeah, my cat came up in the middle of recording. I'm very uh caught off guard here now. But now that she's Just- so cute. Look at her little tail. I know she's trying to get up on my desk. But now that Justin Jefferson is emerging as a factor, they might not have Kevin King. I think there could be an issue there. And Josh Jackson has looked good, but then maybe you put Jair on Justin Jefferson and you give a guy like Josh Jackson the reps against Adam Thielen. Uh you are yeah. the certified cornerback stand, so I would like to let you Elaborate on your your preferred matchup there for the Packers secondary.
1: Yeah, no, it's going to be... I mean, Justin Jefferson's like the lone bright spot for this offense at the moment, I'd say. Adam Thielen's had a fine year, but he's, he's nursing a shoulder injury, and he's not himself by any means, and especially if Kirk Cousins can't even get you the ball and... You know, that, then you can't even make any catches. Um, I definitely expect Jair to be on Justin Jefferson. Um, it's definitely different from week one. He's a completely different player, he's probably one of the best rookies, um, period. So far this season, uh, it's honestly so unfortunate that he's on the Vikings, like, because, (laughs) you know, it is. I feel bad for him. Um, If you had just waited a couple more spots, you could have been a Packer. Um, Not his fault. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) Um, I think something, too, you know, that I never kind of put past the Vikings is that, you know, Mike Zimmer is still a great coach. Uh, I saw a stat on Twitter and I don't remember who it was, so I can't give credit. And if you remember Maggie, please give them credit. But the Vikings are one of the best teams in the league right now on third down. Um, I'm not sure how that's possible to be quite honest with you. Uh, with the way that their offense has been playing, but their down stops have not been something the Packers defense is that good at. And so when you kind of pair that with, um, you know, Justin Jefferson having a nice, having a nice season so far, and if they get Dalvin Cook back, you know, that actually could be a factor. Um, That could be a game that could mean that, you know, they actually put up some points against the Packers. So it'll be an interesting day. And I think, you know, it also just depends on the health of some of their key players, right? If you don't Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen's on the injury report right now, still, It it, it all like factors in there. Uh, And then, of course, um, you look at kind of their offensive line, which I know we want to touch on both offensive lines um, for the the Packers as well. But Vikings offensive line is um, bad. That's that's my analysis. No, uh, I mean Bradbury gets beat up by by Zaria Smith every single time we play them. Um, they they can't protect Kirk Cousins in any way. Uh, they've also gone a, gone away a little bit from what they were really good at last season, um, which is you know some of that play action boot stuff. You know they don't do, do a lot of that anymore. I'm not really sure why they've moved away from what was actually making Kirk Cousins successful. Um, but between the inability to protect him and his just seeing ghosts on the field. Um, I can't imagine that the offense is going to move the ball all that well.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's something that we want to see too from this, this Packers front seven is the the pressure. And we saw a little bit of it. I mean, Jair had the fantastic read uh, for the safety in week one. But that obviously wasn't the dialed up call for Mike Patton. So, you know, there, while they did kind of get pressure in some unique situations, we're not seeing as much pressure coming out of this uh, this edge unit that last year was one of the best in the NFL at actually generating pressure. And you, I don't know if some of that is with Kenny Clark coming back. But, you know, Zadarius has had his flashes in games. The Saints game, he looked really good. The Falcons game, he looked really good. Um, he has his moments. He got a sack against the Texans. Preston Smith, I think, played his best game of the season against the Texans. He's starting to show up. So, you know, hopefully against this weekend uh, Vikings offensive line, they can get their reps in. Because I thought that was Rashawn Gary's honestly best game of the season was against the Vikings. So if we can kind of see more from them this week, that'll be a key factor here because it's the Vikings and Kirk Cousins is not necessarily mobile. So if they were able to generate a little bit of pressure on Deshaun Watson, who can scramble and kind of escape the pocket, you would think that they would have more success against a guy like Kirk cousins.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think we all remember the the second Vikings game last season where that's really how we won the game was, was getting pressure on Kirk cousins. I think Zadarius Smith had three sacks that game mm-hmm. um, clinched the NFC North. So that was big, obviously very different teams, but, um, the Vikings are are just not good any at this point. They they're like they they traded away Yannick. They they're kind of just like going kaput on on the season. But you are right. I I think in any any game, the more pressure you can get on the quarterback, the better. And something that we haven't seen at all is the Packers be able to do replicate what they did last season. So if if this can be kind of a gimme game in that respect, that would be That would be really nice. And I guess on the flip side of that coin is they traded Yannick and Danil Hunter went on IR. And so who is on the Viking side that's going to try to get pressure on our offensive line and Aaron Rodgers? I, I don't know. Yeah, and Anthony Barr
0: is also out. So a lot of those key... pressure generators for the Vikings are not going to be there. Um, Yannick had led the team in sacks with five. Obviously you said they traded him away. They, They really are not performing well, I guess is an, is a holistic way to talk about this Vikings front seven. And, you know, I know that they're missing Anthony Barr and Daniel Hunter. We just talked about that, but they got worse by trading away Yannick. And I'm not sure if their, their thought process there was to try and recoup the draft pick that they gave up because it was a lesser pick now that they got back. And if they're in kind of rebuilding mode at this point, but it just it does definitely I agree with your earlier point that it feels like this is a Vikings team that's waving the white flag, but this is also a Vikings team that is coached by Mike Zimmer, who is definitely not gonna want to get swept by Malliflor and by this Packers team. So I think there's gonna be an opportunity for them to want to play spoiler and play sabotage, and it'll be up to the Packers to, you know, make sure that doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I think there's a little bit of spite there um, after our most recent record against them. But I know you really want to talk about the Packers' offensive line. Um, So going into this game, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on the differences between Week 1, because obviously there definitely are. David Bakhtiari is... uh, A question mark, he's back practicing, but a question mark is going to play. So that offensive line is going to look different from last time we played the Vikings.
0: Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit on previous shows where the offensive line had been kind of one of the bigger question marks going into the season is not knowing who was going to play where. You had Rick Wagner, Billy Turner in the conversation for right tackle, and then they both were kind of injured throughout training camp. So that was a contest that was up in the air to start the game. Obviously, they had Elton Jenkins there rookie all pro left guard moving to right tackle to take snaps there lane taylor gets hurt and lucas patrick comes in and john runyon comes in and it really just kind of it was such a musical chairs that game and it was the first week and now what we're seeing is that david bachari might not be able to play at left tackle this week which would then mean that billy turner slides out of right tackle into left tackle and they bring in rick wagner to play right tackle so I think we saw the offensive line hold up really well. You know, Aaron Rodgers was kept clean that game. Um, Did you hear Miranda sneeze just now? Yes. (laughs) Oh, bless you. (laughs) We saw um, the the Packers kept Aaron Rodgers clean week one, even with that kind of revolving offensive line. And we saw that again last week against the Texans. Rodgers was clean. So even if David Bakhtiari can't play, I was going to say you want him to come back for the 49ers, but it's, it's really interesting to see this 49ers front is also pretty decimated with injuries yeah. right now. So, you know, give
1: him so better than the Vikings. He needs to heal. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully he can come back for the 49ers, but I think he'll be okay against the Vikings. So do you think then that we keep what we did against the Texans with Billy Turner at left tackle and, and the rest of the line kind of where they stand? I do, and I had said
0: obviously last week that I thought Elton Jenkins was going to get the slide and maybe John Runyon would come in at left guard. I saw other people saying that they thought maybe Billy Turner would slide to right guard and then they'd put Rick Wagner in at right tackle and then Lucas Patrick would go to left guard and Elton Jenkins would move to left tackle. But it just felt like too many moving pieces. So I think, especially with this Vikings front, what the Mm -hmm. Packers did against the Texans worked really well because you still had some of your, your best strength in that kind of front three with your guards in your center. So i believe yeah. the has that looked really good and I, I'm glad that he's getting some praise for it. And I know that a mm-hmm. lot of people didn't really love his contract when he first came to green Bay because it, it felt excessive. And f- especially when they were playing him at right guard as a tackle, it makes a little more sense now, but yeah. it really seems the way that he's been able to fill in so seamlessly at just about every spot beyond center I think he's kind of living up to that contract, even if it did seem excessive at the time.
1: Yeah, he started at three different positions on the offensive line at this point. And, and to get someone with not just the versatility, but the mm-hmm. strength and the agility, I guess you could say, to to do that is definitely not um, common. So, I mean, look, like, yeah, paying paying him what, what we did is is a little rich. But again, if you're going to get someone who can fill in serviceably or even above serviceably when you lose David Bakhtiari like that's huge uh that could have been the loss of David Bakhtiari even for two games could have been so much more dramatic for this team than than it so far has been uh you know he he allowed I think a pressure on Aaron Rodgers last week um and again I think like similar defensive fronts right where it's kind of one guy who's getting pressure everyone else is not great. So I fully expect, like you said, for it to just kind of look like it did last week. Um, I learned recently, actually, which I thought was interesting, that Um, Billy Turner played actually the majority of his time in college at left tackle. So he's like really comfortable in that position. It's obviously not where he was drafted to. Um, and that's not where he's played the majority of his career, which is also interesting. Um, but, but knowing that he does have the live game reps, even if it's just in college to slide in there, I think that also says a lot for him. So yeah, I guess shout out to Billy Turner. Um, you, you've really, taken a nice step up from last season. Uh, and that's been a pleasant surprise.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the college point because, um, I'm not sure if it was Billy Turner, but Corey Lindsley had talked about in his presser just, you know, that he's fortunate he doesn't have to kind of fill in because you need your center to be (laughs) stable. But, you know, a lot of these guys have been having to switch up their footwork and just the mentality of, you know, your plant leg, which foot you're dropping back with the way that you kind of have to to flip your hips and keep your hands up. Like everything about it is different. And even though it seems mirrored for Billy to be able to switch like that and kind of make the switch mentally too, to remember like, okay, I have to drop back here. Um, And I'm sure even, you know, talking about the blocking schemes when you're in pass pro or when you're run blocking, everything flips. So to be able to just kind of seamlessly go from playing the right side of the line and making that adjustment to the left side. And, you know, maybe when David Bakhtiari comes back, I'm sure that Billy Turner will kind of move back naturally to right tackle. So it's just really, you know, I I don't have anything else to say beyond kudos to him for being able to do that because he, I think he deserves a lot of credit for for being able to kind of so seamlessly fill in.
1: Yep, absolutely. So, I have a few other thoughts about this game. And, you know, I think any division game, um, even if it's against an opponent that is not necessarily at your equal, always ends up being wonky and is always high stakes. Um, And I think you made a really good point where you're you're like, you know, the Vikings could come into this game and say, we're out of playoff contention. This isn't our year, but let's spoil the Packers season. Um, And I fully see them doing that uh, because that is probably their mentality. I would feel the same way if I was the Packers and the (laughs) role was, the role was reversed. Um, But I think that, you know, this is a game that we should win handedly, but we're also going on to a short week leading up to a very highly anticipated matchup against the 49ers. And I know that Matt Lafleur's whole concept on approaching his game plan and his practicing is going 1-0. Um, there's always the fear that you're kind of looking ahead to the next game, especially when it's a short week, especially when you're going up against a playoff contender, someone that you might see later on in the playoffs. And then you add that extra you know, we got beat really, really badly against the 49ers, and we really want to go into San Francisco and win this game. So I think there's a lot of components here to it. Are you at all concerned that this might be one of those weird, wonky division, Packers-are-looking-ahead trap games? Honestly,
0: I think I'm more concerned with the Packers in San Francisco, which is, again, unfortunate. But just they always seem to draw the short straw of – having to travel on a short week to San Francisco. And I think that that's a big part of it is it's not and and no football game in the NFL is ever a layup, but it's a division opponent on sa- on Sunday, which is going to be draining because it's going to be physical. And there's going to be a lot that goes into that. And then they have to flip that mindset and go into a really short week and get ready for a team that's had their number repeatedly. So I think that aspect of it might be draining, but if anything, I think they'll go to San Francisco unprepared. I don't think that they'll struggle as much against the Vikings, personally.
1: Yeah. No, I, I actually agree with that. I think like the Vikings are coming to Lambeau. It's a 12 p.m. kickoff. It's like right in that sweet spot of exactly what you want. Um, we've already beaten them once, so I think they probably have a good feel for the way to beat them again it worked. Uh, I don't think that the Vikings necessarily have the personnel, even if the Packers come out with the same game plan that worked week one, I actually don't think that the Vikings really have the personnel to stop what it is that the Packers do well. Uh, So I agree with you that this should be a, a, an easier win, let's say than the past few, but then you get a team that's has less rest time and is already really beat up. If you look at the, if you look at the injury report, it's the entire roster. Uh, So that's my concern is that like, if we get any more injuries in this game against the Vikings, or if we rush someone back in this game and they are then even more hurt, like, let's say like Aaron Jones, for example, decides to play and then he pulls that calf even worse. And we don't have him for the 49ers. That's more of where I'm concerned. I think the Packers do a really good job of being conservative when it comes to injuries, but this injury report is insane. It's yeah. insane. They're all hurt. Is that normal? <laughs>
0: And I think that what we're seeing now is a lot of players are getting added to it with like Jair basically had said, like I might be on the injury report every week with like a hand or a wrist or something, but I'm going to play through it. And, you know, like we've seen Zedarius play through his ankle injury, but he's going to be on there every week because he's getting treatment for his ankle. So I think there's that part of it where it's the middle of the season and guys are just kind of beat up, even though there, there's a lot of guys that are playing in pain and that's, I guess, par for the course when you're an NFL player. But I mean, this that is all valid that you, you really don't want to see anybody like you don't want to rush Tyler urban back or Tyler Lancaster, or a lot of these guys that you're going to need down the stretch on Mm -hmm. a short week. So I think we're going to see the Packers being especially cautious. We might see some people that have been practicing like Kevin King sitting out again, even if he feels ready to go because you don't want them to tweak something because there's just not enough time to recover for a Thursday night
1: game. No, I completely agree, and I think like when I look at the injury report, I look more at like the do not participates versus the limited because yeah. limited is so vague, right? Like that could be they do pretty much everything, but set out something. Like, it just you never know. But the do not participates are like the most important, and there's only three. Um, so it's it's yeah. Kevin, it's Kevin King, Aaron Jones, and Mason Crosby, <laughs> um, which is like, do we have a backup kicker? Is J.K. Scott going to be kicking field goals for us on yeah. Sunday? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. <JK laughs> or we just go for two. Like, do you just never never attempt a field
1: goal? I was gonna say only touchdowns, all gas, no break, <laughs> eight points every time. <laughs> I, that's how you do it. But I'm, uh, but like Mason Crosby is a player that, like, okay, we can joke about this against the Vikings, but you're gonna want Mason Crosby in San Francisco. Yeah.
0: And and, and that's the tricky part again on being like a short week, they've worked out kickers all season to prepare for something like this. And with COVID protocols in place, even if they brought in someone tomorrow, they wouldn't be able to play in either game. So you might have a kicker that comes in and can play for you, you know, after the 49ers game but if you give yourself that much time maybe mason crosby's all healed up by then so it is a really interesting thing to think about especially in the season and that's why i know everybody's really excited we don't have to talk about trade rumors because right now they're rumors we could talk about them if you want to but whatever happens with some of these players potentially getting traded it's not like we can expect them to suit up for the next two weeks anyway so we have to kind of take all of this as bolstering your team from mid-november
1: December and a playoff push because it's not going to happen immediately. Yeah. I think naturally it takes a little bit of time midseason because you're like getting, getting up to speed and then you add in all the COVID protocols and it just kind of extends it even further. Okay. So let's move into how we think this game is going to turn out. I personally think it's another 40 burger. Okay. Um, do you agree with that?
0: I See, I don't know if I was going to say 40, but I, I do. I think it'll be a two score game. I think the Packers will come out on top. This is, a Vikings team that is 30th in points against the Packers are second in points for the Vikings have given up 40 twice, you know, to the Packers week one and then to the Falcons. So you do have that going for you, which is nice, <laughs> but I mean in their losses, it's been high twenties, low thirties. Their best game was of course against the Texans um, where they only gave up 23 points to me. And it'll be dependent. I think a lot on how the secondary looks um, for the Packers, if, they have, if they're dealing with injuries there. But something like 35-21, 35-24 feels comfortable to me. I think the Vikings will still get their points in. I think Justin Jefferson will get a touchdown or Delvin Cook. But, you know, whether that comes in garbage time, like the Houston game that, you know, the scoreboard made it look closer than the game actually was. I think the Packers will be in control, but I think we'll see some points.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think the, the Vikings... I mean, the Packers have been very good in the red zone when they get down there. Um, They've been very good, I mean, pretty much everywhere on the field, you know, like uh, between the 20s as well. Uh, I just really can't see this Vikings team stopping our pass attack. Uh, Their secondary is not a threat whatsoever and we saw what Aaron Rodgers did week 1 we just saw what DeVonte Adams did again so we know that it's there we we know what they can do um i I'm going blow out which i haven't done yet this season i i i try to be more uh realistic and respectful of the other team but i genuinely believe that this is going to be 42-17 I, call, I called a blowout last week, so I, I think it's your turn. I, th- I I feel it. I think 42-17, I think Rodgers has like five touchdowns. Uh, we get one, one running touchdown, or he has four touchdowns, two running. So I just don't see the Vikings having any ability to stop our offense after what we were able to put together last week. Um, we're out, the Packers are out there, like really proving to the league that they are one of the best offenses out there and that you're going to have to do a hell of a lot to stop them. I'm imagining a poor or non-existent handshake post game. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I, yeah. Good. I'm here for it. You're here for it. You support it. I love it. Things you
0: love to see that. So. Yeah, Perry. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up the show? You know, we talked about everything that looks different. There is, of course, plenty that'll be kind of the same old, and that is, it's a division game. It's a Lambo game. It's going to be chilly. The winds. It's you know right now projected the the wind could be up to forty miles an hour, which. Might be a reason in and of itself, even with Mason Crosby, that the Packers aren't attempting field goals. So, you know, we'll kind of see what the accuracy looks like for both quarterbacks. But I think there's going to be opportunities for turnovers. And, you know, actually, that's something that I want to see from this defense. We haven't seen enough of it is turning the ball over or forcing turnovers. We don't want them to turn the ball over. But, you know, with, with Henry Black coming in, forcing a fumble, that kind of gave the Packers another one. But beyond that, you know, and to your your point about Jair Alexander, if you don't throw the ball to him, he can't pick it off. So that is, of course, something that we're seeing. But yeah. it, it would be nice to see this this defense kind of force turnovers because they were so good at it this season. And that's kind of what this Mike Patton defense is, is founded on, is the ability to generate
1: explosive plays and create turnovers. Yeah, well, I think that if Jair goes up against Justin Jefferson, and Jeffers, Justin Jefferson is pretty much the only... Bona fide trustworthy weapon that that um, Kirk Cousin has, and Kirk Cousins going to try to force the ball to him. Then that may be the opportunity for Dreyer to get a pick or two. Um, but you're you're right in that you know if you're not if he's not even getting targets, then there's no way he's going to force any turnovers. But yeah, I agree. I would like to see some turnovers. I just really want this to be like a solid win. Um, kind of Andy Herman said it last week, kind of, uh, go in there, get a win, leave. It doesn't have to be pretty. I just want the Packers to stay honestly as healthy as possible in this game. Don't do anything crazy. Will Redmond, don't lean with your head. Don't get a (laughs) concussion. Like just, just, you know what I mean? Like just, just go in there, play a game, win a game, leave, rest up for the 49ers. I no new injuries that that's all I want for this team. Yeah,
0: no, I'm with you, and I think that, you know, we're going to see a lot of Tim Boyle in your blowout predictions, so Aaron Rodgers should be nice and rested for uh, for, for Thursday's game. So, Perry, if the people want to follow all of your fantastic work on social media,
1: how can they go about doing that? Um, you can just follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Everything that I do gets reposted and posted there. Um doing Packer stuff almost every single week at this or every single day, I should say at this point. So I'm not going to rattle it off, but we have a few exciting things coming up. Um, I'll be on the Cheesehead TV watch party for the 49ers game. So if you want to tune into that and watch my live reactions to a game, um, don't want to watch that back because I probably look like a psychopath. <laughs> uh, but um do that. and then, yeah, you can please follow the podcast at PWSS podcast on Twitter, like and subscribe on all of your streaming platforms that really helps us out. it's um it's really, really important and means a lot to us. So please do that. and Maggie. Where can everyone find all of your amazing work?
0: I'm just, I'm going to keep it short like you did. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney and all of my work is there for all of the various sites. Um, packed what she said, of course, is our baby and some really cool stuff coming up for the show. We um, working on getting some merch uh, set up on our, our Twitter. So not sure if it'll be out yet by the time you listen to this but very soon you will be able to purchase your own packs what she said merchandise and we will also need to get our hands on it so that we can wear the hell out of it so thank you as always for listening to the podcast go pack go go pack go